the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Dan Proft Show. I'm reliable. I'm a very good listener. And I'm extremely funny. On the Salem Radio Network. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show and uh, two of the uh, leading lights of the left. One, Eric Swalwell, Chaikam Matahari's boyfriend, and Ted Liu, two Democrat socialist representatives from California, who, uh, again, were both House Impeachment 2.0 managers. So, to my point about the leaders of the left, they uh, suggested uh, that uh, Congress... Uh, session being suspended yesterday and uh, if you may have noticed the uh, nation's capital being under something akin to martial law that will persist until republicans come around to agreeing with them about the 2020 election because the failure to agree with them is tantamount to incitement to violence it represents an existential threat to the republic don't believe me here's ted lieu and the Republican leaders can reduce the risk of further political violence by simply saying one simple, truthful sentence, the election was not stolen. The refusal to do that is why we need more Capitol Police officers, as Russell Henry has recommended, and why National Guard troops are still patrolling our Capitol today. Mm-hmm. Eric Swalwell. It aligns, uh, Andrea, with uh, warnings we've seen before the January 6th attack, uh, post-January 6th. And I have to say, uh, it angers me. Uh, it, it angers me that... I have colleagues who have stood with some of these groups, who have perpetuated the lies that these groups have told around the election and have done nothing uh, to quell or to condemn these groups. And and when that's the case, uh, is uh, Elizabeth uh, Newman testified from the Homeland, formerly from the Homeland Security Committee to the Homeland Security Committee a couple weeks ago, that when groups are not condemned, uh, they feel emboldened. And the fact that I have colleagues uh, that perpetuate this big lie about the election, that inspires uh, these QAnon folks, and it makes them believe that uh, they have a permissive operating environment, and that makes all of us less safe, and it affects our ability to do our job here. Yeah, it's something. And again, uh, these are the same individuals, uh, a thousand more Capitol Police officers to protect the political class. Meanwhile, these folks want to defund police where you live. No, no police for the hoi polloi outside the beltway. More police for the political ruling class, just in case that wasn't clear. For more on the topic, we're pleased to be joined again by Conrad Black, publisher, financier, member of the British House of Lords. Conrad Black, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Glad to be back with you, Dan. Is uh, not agreeing with Swalwell and Lou on um, what happened in the 2020 election, is that uh, the greatest threat facing uh, the, our representative republic in America? I think that their attempt to uh, blackmail the country, stifle the truth, and pretend that it was a pristine election is an existential threat to the republic as a free voting society. They are the threat. Part of the threat was the unforgettable spectacle of mysterious midnight drops of hundreds of thousands of votes, heavily lopsided in favor of the Democratic presidential candidate, with no possibility of verifying the accuracy or integrity of those votes, 
by an exploitation of spuriously conceived amendments to and frequently illegal amendments to the voting procedure undertaken in the name of the of the public health crisis the pandemic i mean the fact is the Democrats probably stole the election, and in their vehemence at promulgating the theft of the election, they are stating that any failure to admit the absolute honesty of the election constitutes an armed insurrection against the regime that they've set up as, as a practical matter, an undemocratic state governed by them for as long as they want and any way they want. I think it is utterly scandalous and unbelievable. When President Trump spoke last Sunday in Orlando, thankfully, he, he avoided any hyperbole. He didn't claim to have won the popular vote. He didn't win the popular vote. Biden won the popular vote fair and square. But he, it is not at all clear that under the elections system that the United States has, where it isn't the popular vote that wins, it's a, it's a federation, and it is the amalgamation of electoral votes from the various states that, that wins the election. It's the six times in American history before last year, the candidate who was elected did not lead the popular vote. That's the way the system works. It works that way in other countries. It's the way the system works. And and um, uh, you know, if you if you win a lot of states by a narrow margin and and, and lose a few by a huge margin, uh, it, you know that, that produces right. that result. Uh, and and, uh, and and for these people to game the system, pack stuff the ballot boxes under a fraudulent procedure undertaken in the name of uh, enabling people to vote during a pandemic, and then I mean that's one thing to steal an election, but then to try and suppress any discussion of it and claim that. Anyone who raises a peep of objection is a hooligan trying to overthrow the government by violent means. This, this has never happened in the United States before, and it must never happen again. Uh, when we come back, I, I have one more question on this topic, and then I also want to uh, get your take on what a post-Trump Republican Party uh, will look like, or is it even a post-Trump Republican Party? More with Conrad Black, publisher, financier, member of the British House of Lords, right after this. This is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Conrad Black, publisher, financier, member of the British House of Lords. And Conrad, before the break, we were talking about uh, the uh, uh, accusations by Democrat socialists like Congressman Swalwell and Lou, Nancy Pelosi, that uh, anything other than committing to rinse and repeat that the election was not stolen represents a threat to the republic. Um, something else that they've done, too, you were talking about what's unprecedented in American history so, to suggest that anybody who uh, disagrees with that or raises legitimate questions about the administration of the election in particular states last year is somehow um, uh, you know, an anti-democratic threat to a free society. Something else they've done, though, too, I mean, the state of D.C. right now, I haven't seen, uh, you know, artistic structure like this since uh, Christo's Gates in Central Park. This is all a show in advance of what you were just describing. Yeah, look, I probably owe you and your listeners an apology for haranguing you with a question, but you, right. it is just such an absolute outrage, and it is so inconceivable and unprecedented in in a serious democratic country. Uh, it, anyway, having, we're moving on to, to this new thing, and may I add, it is just doubly annoying uh, coming 
you know, from the, this man Swalwell, the uh, <laughs> most unsuccessful candidate for presidential nomination in the history of the country, who who uh, who stands up there bold as brass as an impeachment manager when they are accusing the former president of incitements he did not make, of an insurrection he did not wish or even imagine, in order to remove him from an office he did not hold, the most asinine, stupid legislative initiative in the history of the country. And this guy has been shagging the socks off a Chinese spy, <laughs> and he's on the Intelligence Committee. Uh, I mean, I, you, could, you couldn't make it up. No, you uh, cannot no, make it up. No Greek tragedian would produce a plot so so incredible, so absurd. But uh, it's not going to work. And as I say, I, I thought that when the president, former president, laid it out last uh, last Sunday, uh, he, he made his case in a way that 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 is the beginning of the collapse of the entire democratic narrative. I mean, you 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 put it out in your uh, preamble to, to to our previous session, and. Um, and it won't fly. I mean, the fact is, half the people realize and believe that that there was something funny about the election. Look, I have to add, if I may, one point. I think part of the problem is the Supreme Court not hearing the Texas Attorney General's case. I mean, here it's it was a direct uh, it was a direct uh, uh, case to the uh, to the Supreme Court because it was one state supported by sixteen other states suing several of the swing states on the grounds of failure to exercise their constitutional responsibility to assure a fair election result. Uh, and so it, it wasn't an appeal. It was a state against other states. Uh, therefore, it had to start at the Supreme Court. They had to hear the case, and they didn't. They abdicated. Presumably, now I've, I'm, I'm no psychiatrist. I can't uh, mind read, but, but presumably because they were afraid of such a political hot potato. But that's not what the Supreme Court's in business for. They have to hear what they have to hear, and they have no higher duty than to adjudicate uh, presidential elections when called to do it. And 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 they, in abdicating, they essentially abdicated the role of the judiciary as a co-equal branch of government. I'm not saying how they should have determined that. They should have determined it on the basis of the adduced facts, but they should have heard the case. Uh, when it, what, you were you mentioned uh, Trump's speech at CPAC uh, this uh, last Sunday evening, and I wanted to get uh, your review of the roadmap that he laid out effectively. Dan Henninger wrote about this in the Journal too. Much of it uh, was very Reagan-esque, as much of his policy agenda was very Reagan-esque. It just was sort of uh, subordinated to you know his personality and rhetorical flourish and tweets and such, but. But did he, did he lay out a roadmap that would provide, if followed, would provide Republicans with majorities and, and control of the federal government for a generation? Well, I don't know about a generation, but I think uh, I think that party is headed to victory next year, and and I, and I think in twenty twenty four the Republican nominee, well, I, I mean, assuming his health holds. Uh, and he certainly looked pretty robust on, on Sunday. Uh, uh, quite a contrast, I may say, with the incumbent president. But mm. if if, uh, if if his health is good, uh, he will either be the nominee or the nominee will be somebody approved by him. Uh, there there was no doubt at the end of that address on Sunday that that it's it's the president's party, the Republicans. I mean, which, these which, people. Which do you think it, say, these people had the had the fairy tale that. The, the Trump was just some meteor that came across the sky and he's gone. That's nonsense. The, that party supports him. 
and the right to support him. Which do you think is the more judicious path for Trump uh, as kingmaker and, you know, tapping somebody like Ron DeSantis to carry the mantle forward in 24? Or if he's up for the challenge physically, as you suggest, him doing it himself? I, I think it depends on how he plays his cards in the in the meantime. If, if he continues like he did on Sunday, where he sticks to the facts uh, it doesn't insult his opponents gratuitously, doesn't ramble around in, a, in an undisciplined way in what he says, uh, and, and uh, you know, raises the points he did, you know, the, the southern border, the, some of the excesses of the environmental uh, terrorists, uh, the, you know, how to deal with China and so on, uh, sticks to the issues, deals with them responsibly, and, 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 uh, and acts like a president, and doesn't demean the office by aspiring to it in a way that is uh, that, that is that is worrisome as to whether he'll conduct it in a in a dignified way. <clears throat> then then I, I think he if he wants the job he should go for it. If if he if he and I you know he's been the president he was a good president, but if he says well you look uh, this is how I've done it up to now I'm not changing then then I think it would be better to get a, a more unifying candidate. I mean we saw last year. His policies were ratified in the congressional and state elections, but a majority of Americans would take even Biden, who is not a galvanizing figure. He has this likable aspects, but he's not a galvanizing figure. But Trump was just too exhausting for the country. He was in their face every day and all night on Twitter. And, and if, he, if he makes that turn to more, a more statesmanlike and, and calm approach to the, to the office, seeking the office and holding the office, he should do it himself if he wants it. If not, he she should get it all set up and decide who he thinks should be president and, and, and support that person. He is Conrad Black, publisher, financier, member of the British House of Lords. Conrad Black, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you, Dan. Podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.